Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the final week of Parliament includes a crucial vote on Wednesday. That will be a, a meeting so that uh, the House can debate and pass the government's, in very limited debate, uh, the government's uh, budget estimates uh, to allow spending to flow to the programs uh, the government's talked about and any programs that were set in place before that. And that is a test of confidence. And if the government were to lose uh, a vote on the budget estimates, uh, we would have a snap summer election. Are cracks beginning to form between the federal and provincial governments? Our government is working with the provinces and territories to bring in the right measures to keep Canadians safe and healthy. And the RCMP continues to face scrutiny over allegations of systemic racism. Anti-black racism exists here in Canada. Anti-indigenous racism exists here in Canada. It is systemic. It exists in all of our institutions, including the police. It's Monday, June 15th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer. Peter, thank you for being with us. Hi, Mark. Good to talk to you again. Under normal circumstances, we would be describing this as the last week of Parliament sitting before the summer break. That would have been the normal schedule this week. And it is kind of the last week of, of the new cycle that we've got, that we've, uh, we've had for the last few months with the sittings of this special committee on the coronavirus and, and some of the other normal activities that are happening uh, in the parliamentary precinct in Ottawa. Um, so what do you expect to happen this week and, and how will things change after that uh, with our parliamentary democracy? Right. Well, I guess the things to watch for, I mean, you're right. So it's the last week of, uh, you know, for Canadians who are paying attention, the last week of the meetings of the special parliamentary committee on COVID-19, which is a has become this hybrid gathering of, uh, of MPs some in the chamber, uh, some from their constituency offices or their homes, you know, well outside of Ottawa. Uh, that had been happening three days a week, then four days a week, and, and after this week it won't happen at all. Uh, so that special committee will meet uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week, so uh, today, tomorrow, and the next two days after that. But there will also be an actual sitting of Parliament, and the two designations are different. I don't want to get too into the weeds, but uh, they mean different things procedurally, and so on Wednesday there will be a, an actual sitting of Parliament, uh, largely, uh, and that will happen after the special meeting of COVID-19, the committee meeting, and that will be a, a meeting so that uh, the House can debate and pass the government's, in very limited debate, uh, the government's uh, budget estimates uh, to allow spending to flow to the programs uh, the government's talked about and, and even programs that were set in place before that, and that is a test of confidence. And if the government were to lose uh, a vote on the budget estimates, uh, we would have a snap summer election. Uh, and I don't see that happening. Uh, uh, the Conservatives are uh, have stuck to their guns, saying they'll essentially vote against everything the government puts forward because they want full sittings of, of Parliament. And But the other two parties, the Bloc and the NDP, have both uh, been pretty clear indicating they do not want a snap election. So we can expect the budget estimates to pass on Wednesday. Let's talk about how things play out from here in terms of uh, the fight against the coronavirus and the management of this crisis. Uh, it appears based on a call late last week between provincial premiers and territorial premiers and the prime minister that uh, that there are some gaps beginning to develop, fractures in the relationship between the federal government and provincial leaders. Uh, there, there had been a point during this crisis where everybody was on the same page. 
Perhaps not surprisingly, that's less so as we start emerging from the crisis. There are some important decisions about how money is going to flow in the, in the days and weeks ahead. So what do you expect to see happen there? Well, I think markets, to me, what's, what's been really interesting is the, um, the movement of the prime minister uh, over the last couple of months on this, because you'll recall, and, and our listeners will recall it, uh, you know, in the last six weeks or so, uh, when provinces started to reopen at those daily briefings, the prime minister was repeatedly asked, and so were federal cabinet ministers, so were federal health officials, whether they thought uh, the pace of reopening in provinces was was the right pace, whether they had any concerns, whether they uh, objected to it. And the answer uh, from the government side, from the federal side, was, um, you know, they, they're following their, their health rules. And, and essentially, the prime minister was taking a hands-off position to how provinces were reopening and at what pace and leaving that to them. Uh, but something has changed, and, uh, and it makes me wonder exactly what. Um, so some of it seems to be, uh, you know, uh, putting a stamp on, on federal priorities and policies, because in this transfer now of $14 billion, and the uh, Prime Minister and the, and the Premier spoke again Thursday night, and the language is telling that they agreed to continue negotiations towards uh, an agreement. So there's no agreement, and then we subsequently learned that there were testy exchanges in the meeting, uh, largely centered on provinces telling the Prime Minister to forward them the money and don't tell them how to spend it. Uh, They know what the priorities are in their provinces. They know where to spend it, but the Prime Minister has attached these five areas, including uh, paid sick days, more child care, uh, protections for vulnerable uh, citizens, so on. Um, He's insisted that there are strings attached and conditions to getting the money. So I think it's kind of neat. There were the prime minister was was taking a less active role in what provinces were doing to reopen uh, a number of weeks ago, but now he's taking a much more active role, saying, "If you reopen, I want you to do this. I want you to have these measures in place if you want this federal money." So that suggests to me that uh, not only some of those things have become liberal priorities, but there may also be some federal concerns about how the reopening is going and whether or not provinces actually have the proper measures in place to protect employees going back to work or protect some of those vulnerable citizens, such as seniors in long-term care homes. All right, let's turn to the scrutiny on the RCMP and whether or not uh, systemic racism exists within the National Police Service. There were a couple of developments on the weekend. Perry Bellegarde, who is the National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations, said it's time for politicians and the leaders of police services to kind of move beyond that question and start talking about reform. And Carla Qualtro, who is uh, a former human rights lawyer and a member of the federal cabinet, uh, said on one of the television programs on the weekend that the fact that there was uh, initially some defense of the use of force during the arrest of uh, a First Nation chief uh, showed a pattern of behavior that must end. Do you see increasing uh, pressure from the federal government on the RCMP. This is a delicate issue, obviously, but is there going to be more demand for change within the RCMP and a different outlook as well, a different response to that question? Yeah, not just the RCMP. Uh, You know, I think following this debate, I mean, you know, clearly we've come to a, a, a significant point in the road in this conversation in Canada where uh, advocates of change are no longer satisfied with an ongoing discussion about whether or not we have systemic racism. I think 
in the point Terry Bellegarde was making, he spoke to CPAC as well about it on Sunday, is, is that, look, that issue's settled. If we keep, you know, basically if we keep spinning our wheels in, in the mud about whether or not there's systemic racism, we're never going to get our heads around fixing it. So I think, you know, you know, Canadians, the polling show, the polls show that, uh, that the Canadians, uh, largely, the majority, have accepted their systemic racism. Uh, that is fertile ground now for policymakers to say, okay, we, we have a willing audience that uh, accepts that this is a problem, it is a, a long-standing problem, and the country is ready for change. So the thing I'll be watching is how aggressively are policymakers going to move to change. It's one thing to pull the RCMP along uh, to acknowledge that, oh, you know, okay, uh, now that I've thought about it, there is systemic racism. That's the view of the commissioner and uh, one of the deputy commissioners at West. So they've, they've come along. Um, so if, if, that, if that point is settled, the next thing that looks like is going to be settled is, is body cameras for RCMP officers. But even the advocates continue to say, Mark, that that's, that's not, the, uh, that's not the, uh, the, the secret thing that's going to solve the problem. That's going to be able to uh, act as a monitoring device. It's going to capture it when something uh, goes wrong and excessive force is used or systemic racism is on full display. But it, it's more entrenched than that. It's, it's, it's a question of changing behaviors, changing attitudes, changing policies, uh, promoting uh, you know, uh, visible minorities and black people in this country to positions of authority in, in greater numbers that will, uh, according to the advocates, bring about the greatest change and the much needed change. So to me, it's going to be about watching, you know, body cameras is one thing. I sort of refer to that as kind of the low hanging fruit in this, in this story, but those are things that can happen quickly for not just the Mounties, but uh, police forces across the country that don't already have them. But it's what's the next uh, most significant and aggressive policy that policymakers are going to take in this country? So slash governments, uh, what's the next thing to watch for? And I think that's uh, that will say a lot about the commitment, dedication uh, to change in this country. All right. We'll see what happens this week. Peter, thanks for breaking it all down for us. Have a great week. Always a pleasure, Mark. Take care. That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. This is a moment in our country when we need to confront the really horrible reality that systemic racism exists here in Canada. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Globe and Mail, Perry Belgard argues it's time to admit Canada has a racism problem. Belgard writes, Let's spare ourselves another debate over whether systemic racism exists in Canada. There have been countless reports over the past 50 years, and the conclusion is always the same. First Nations face systemic racism in every aspect of life and from every institution. It should be clear to everyone by now that Canada's unwillingness to address systemic racism is killing people. In the Toronto Star, Karen Milligan argues social services need to be at pandemic health planning tables. Milligan writes, We know from research that the effects of this pandemic are likely to play out for years to come. The weight of economic uncertainty, the loss of jobs, and the impacts of social isolation are going to dramatically increase the number of people who need social and mental health support. It's critical to recognize the value of integrating services across the care continuum. We simply cannot afford the alternative. In an editorial, the Toronto Sun argues conservative leadership candidates face a pandemic challenge. The Sun writes... 
The challenge confronting the leadership candidates is surely different from what they expected. Canada has never before issued lockdown restrictions and a forced shutdown of the economy. The ramifications will be profound, and much will have to change. The candidates need to articulate how they can chart a course to a more stable, healthy, and prosperous future for our nation that recognizes the unprecedented challenges we face. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. Finance Minister Bill Morneau will appear before the Senate Finance Committee this afternoon. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more on what to watch for. Mark, probably the biggest topic the Finance Minister will be grilled on will be the future of the CERB. More than 8.4 million Canadians are already receiving the Canada Emergency Relief Benefit, with $43 billion in payments having been made as of the first week of June. It's estimated that it will become the largest social program in Canadian history, and the government is pegging it already at about $60 billion. But the first cohort of people will start to exhaust their benefits as of the first week of July. Those are people who started claiming the four-month benefit as of March the 15th. The big question in most people's minds will be, does the government intend to extend the CERB? And if so, in what form and for how long? The Parliamentary Budget Officer last week released a report suggesting that it could cost another $60 billion to extend the benefit by another three months. And we know the government ran into a political firestorm in Parliament last week when it tried to introduce legislation to recalibrate how to qualify for the benefit, including stiffer penalties for people trying to defraud the CERB and a requirement to return to work if an employer calls you back or if an individual receives a reasonable job offer. So, Mark, there'll be a lot of attention and a lot of questions to the finance minister at 3.15 p.m. when he appears before the Senate committee. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the prime minister is expected to give his daily update on the coronavirus situation. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, June the 15th. Tune into CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today for continuing coverage of the coronavirus crisis. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.